This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, we are going through a series. Um, this, this series based on a book by John Ortberg. He's one of my favorite authors. But it is, has such uh, powerful lessons for us as churches right in these spots. In fact, if, if, if you don't know why we're preaching on, uh, working on this material right now, uh, in our history and this timing, uh, if, if it's still not clear to you, then, then you're not paying attention. We know that God opens and closes doors in our lives. And so one of the most important things we can do as his followers is learn to recognize when he opens a door, when he closes the door. It's also important that we learn the skills that are associated with figuring out when there are multiple doors open, how do we choose which door? And then last week we talked about this other important element about walking through doors, which is that once we have decided, once we believe God has made his will clear, once we have stepped through a door, the way that we step through that door can make all the difference in the world. There are, there are a lot of things about doors opening and closing that we can't control. But one thing we can control is our attitude as we go through. We can either wring our hands and double clutch and struggle with buyer's remorse and wonder if we could have made a better decision and what life would have been, or, and and in that sense, we kind of limp through the door, or we can decide this is the door that God has opened. Now I'm going through it with wholehearted commitment. And we talked last week about what wholehearted commitment looks like. And it's not working. Is that working? You want to advance that for us? So this is what we learned, is that the greater the door, the greater the call for wholeheartedness. The more important it is, the more important it is that we go through with wholehearted devotion and commitment. So often, people will step through tiny doors, but when a door is big and life-changing and life-transforming, because of the doubts, we, they end up by going through with half-heartedness. And then they wonder why they experienced defeat. The greater the door, the greater the call for wholeheartedness. Next. So here's the principle from last week, and we're going to pick up on it this week. And it's simply this. Often it's better to go through the wrong door with the right heart than to go through the right door with the wrong heart. Now, what is the right heart? Well, we've already touched on one aspect of it, and that's that it's wholehearted, that that we go through with confidence. Today we're going to look at Jesus. He gave us some instruction about how to go through the doors that he opens when he instructed his disciples about going into the world. And so if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it to John 17. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel in the New Testament. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he gave them some instruction about how they are supposed to go through the doors that he would open. And in verse 18, he says this, as he's praying to the Father, as you sent me into the world, he prays, I have sent them into the world. 
Now, maybe you've heard the saying, in the world but not of it. It's kind of one of those little Christian slangs. I, just, a, just a little heads up, it's not in the Bible, actually. Uh, not like that, it's not. But we get the idea that somehow we're supposed to be here, but we're supposed to be disconnected from it. We're supposed to be not a part of it. And, and often I see Christians who live exactly like that. Like we're here, but we're not really here. <laughs> right? And then we wonder why we have so little influence in the culture around us. I just want to point out that when Jesus sent his disciples out, he didn't say to them, now I want you to go, but I want you to avoid the world. Or don't let them contaminate you. Or have as little to do with them as possible. Just, just hang out with Christians at church. Instead, he says, I send them into the world the same way the Father sent me into the world. Was Jesus here in every sense? Yes. In fact, he was defamed because he spent so much time with sinners. You see, he had seen a different set of values from his Father than what we might have imagined. So instead of be in the world but not of it, we, I think what Jesus is saying that we should be in this world. We're not of this world, but we should be aware that we have been sent into it. Not of this world, but sent into it. He goes on. In fact, we're going to back up a few verses in John 17. In verse 15, he, this is part of his priestly prayer for the disciples. And he says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We got that part right. Not of this world. But as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them. He goes on. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. Now, this always touches me. My prayer is not for them alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. Anybody know somebody like that? Me. Us. He's praying for us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, also that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Here's this powerful lesson. Jesus sent his disciples into the world to demonstrate something about the oneness that he had with his Father. They are to recognize in us something that is true of God himself. It's a little scary when you think that we are those messengers. Now, Jesus gave instruction in another passage in Matthew 10. And if you want to turn over there, I'd encourage you to do that. In, in Matthew 10, as he begins to give some specific instruction to his disciples, he says something kind of unexpected. First, in verse 11, we read this. He says, now, whatever town or village you enter... Search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Okay, well, there were no um, holiday inns, no comfort inns, nothing like that. So when you went to a town as a traveling speaker or preacher, somebody had to put you up. And this is instruction about how to find. But do you notice the, 
He says, wherever you go. Now, if, if you were sending disciples out into the world, you might be tempted to come up with a strategic plan. If you know the scriptures, you know Acts 1.8 talks about Judea, Samaria. You know, there was kind of a strategic... And yet, here, Jesus says something kind of... Whatever town you go to, it's almost... First of all, they're being sent into the world. Could you be a little more specific, Jesus? Like, the world. Like, <laughs> a specific continent, maybe? <laughs> a people group? A language group? It's kind of vague. He's not really, he doesn't seem concerned about where they go. He says wherever, whatever town or village you go to. It's almost like he's not concerned about where they go. A little earlier in the passage, he, it says that he sent them out in pairs of two. Now, if I were there, I would like to know who I was being paired with. Right? I mean, that would be, I mean, we're going to go out and do this big work and, like, who's my partner? That would be important. We, we're not really told. It's, who you're with doesn't matter. Okay, but where specifically am I going? Out. <laughs> okay, you're not being, it's so vague, it's so, it's almost like it doesn't matter to him, which is exactly, I think, his point. Who you go with, whatever. Where you go, whatever. How you go <coughs> is important. Jesus seems to be emphasizing how his disciples will go over where they will go. This is a surprising lesson, considering we're supposed to be talking about discovering the doors that God opens and choosing the right one and going through. And even as we're choosing these doors, there is this corrective lesson which says, as you think about which door to go through, remember this. How you and I go through is even more important than which door you go through. If you're like me, you can look back in your life and isolate at least a few times when you clearly made the wrong decision. Bad decision. Now, in my case, there was usually a small chorus of friends and family who were telling me exactly that. Bad decision. Bad decision. I, I steadfastly would ignore them. And looking back now, I see it clearly. Boy, that was a dumb decision. Boy, that was a dumb door to go through. And yet, I must admit, that going through the wrong door did not seem to sideline God's willingness to work in my life. He, he could clearly work through bad door decisions as long as my heart was right with him. The details of where, and what, and how, all, all it doesn't seem to matter. He's interested in how they go. And he says it in the statement. He says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. What does that look like? What was Jesus trying to describe when he said, the way the Father sent me, I am sending you? Well, Jesus gives us three pictures this morning. In fact, he uses three animals and these three, the images of these three animals somehow capture for Christ 
what it is he wants his disciples to understand about how the Father sent him and how he is sending us. These are three dimensions of wholehearted living. We've been talking about wholeheartedness. What does it look like to throw yourself through the next door? These are three aspects of character that he says are vital to going through a door the right way. Here's the passage, verse 16. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, there are a lot of animal nicknames for sports teams. Bears, tigers, lions, diamondbacks, wolverines, badgers, sharks. Those are all dangerous animals. Eagles, hawks, bulls, panthers, bengals, raptors, bobcats, broncos, grizzlies. They all inspire a sense of fear and awe. I don't know of one team, professional, amateur, college, high school, I don't know one team called sheep. And this, this is a lot coming from me, because my high school team, I went to Fort Lauderdale High School. Our mascot, the Flying L's. Okay, some of you guys are watching, even classmates, I, I still think it's dumb. Okay, the Flying L's, like really? Go L's! <laughs> but at least there's at least one team called Flying L's. I don't know of any team called Sheep, because sh there's nothing inspiring about Sheep. There's nothing that, that gets us excited. I was trying to think of like famous sheep. So, uh, so one of you helped me a little bit. Uh, famous sheep. Um, well, there's the Serta sheep, <laughs> right? Um, and the only other sheep I could think of was um, a puppet. <laughs> uh, so, see, some of you do know who that is, okay? Okay. Let me, just, let me just suggest that Lamb Chop is a really bad name for your pet sheep. <laughs> That's just pitiful. So, so let us, let's just ask ourselves the question. When sheep go out amongst wolves, how do they go? The answer is very carefully. Very humbly. And I think that's exactly the lesson that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. Sheep do not go into the world leading with how smart they are, how strong they are, how influential. Now, I know in our American culture, because we have such great freedoms and we're given the privilege of interacting with our political system, and we, it's easy to get excited about people who share some of our values winning, and we get upset when they're losing, and we're not going to, nobody could argue the fact that there are prejudices that kind of tip that scale one way or another. And let's be honest, when you feel like it's been tipping one way for a long time, it's so easy to cheer for anything that seems to be kind of writing that. All that left aside, I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus sent his disciples into the world as sheep amongst wolves. I'm not against political involvement. I think we all should vote and speak up and, 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 and uh, use every bit of influence we can to move people toward, what is, toward justice and mercy 
and truth. But every time I hear people who, they don't hold my faith, but they might hold some of my convictions, and as they talk, the more they talk, I can hear them saying, if we could just get a little more power, if we could just get a little more influence, we could offset all this evil. And I think those of us who want to follow Jesus have to just remember what he said. Go like a sheep among wolves. They don't demand a lot. They don't play power games. Sheep don't among wolves. There's a certain humility there. Um, I was reading uh, American Sign Language. Do any of you know some of some sign language, American Sign Language? So, so um, I heard about a woman who was going to be speaking, and, and, and the interpreter, there was going to be a deaf interpreter, and uh, she was going to be talking about vulnerability. So she said, what is this sign for vulnerability? The word, the concept, vulnerability. And she said, well, there's, there's two signs, either of which can work. Um, one of them, and, and I, I, don't, I can't even do it, but one of them has to do with being weak at the knees, like being weak, like, like just, ah, oh, like falling apart. And the speaker said, well, that's not, no, that's not the message. And she said, the other one is this motion of like kind of opening a coat, like not flasher, okay, but, but like, like revealing yourself, like here I am. And I thought that was kind of interesting because certainly vulnerability means showing people who we really are. It's funny though, isn't it, how that kind of vulnerability makes us feel like sign number one, a little weak at the knees. We are all uncomfortable with being vulnerable. That's why, if we're not careful, as sheep, we start trying to arm ourselves and protect ourselves from those wolves. Now, I'm not, this is not a political message. I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is, remember what Jesus said. We go out as sheep among wolves. I'm vulnerable because I'm not strong enough. I'm vulnerable because I'm prone to failure. I'm vulnerable because others can take advantage of me. Well, it's no wonder we don't like that feeling. And yet, I think the scripture teaches over and over again that sometimes doors will open to sheep that never open to wolves. We don't have time this morning, but if you'd like to do some study through this week with maybe some others, look at the storyline of Jacob, this cheater, this liar, this conniver and manipulator. He's the one that cheated his brother Esau, the burly, woodsy man, out of his inheritance. And then Jacob spends a good part of his adult life running from his brother, who wants to do him harm for good reason. And if you know about the story of Jacob, he gets to a place where he begins to realize he can't do this on his own. He needs God's blessing. And an angel appears and he wrestles with the angel. He says, you got to bless me. The angel says, I'm not going to bless you. And he wrestles with this angel and he hangs on and hangs on. You've got to bless me. And finally, the angel says, fine, I will bless you. And to get away, the angel injures Jacob's hip. And that injury never healed. Later in the story, when Jacob cannot run from Esau anymore. Esau and his 
army, his men all standing there, and Jacob goes out in fear and trembling. And it's interesting that Esau's response to Jacob is that his heart melts, and he accepts and loves and forgives his brother. And I can't help but believe that part of the reason that worked was because Jacob was walking out with a limp. Not so strong anymore. Not so impressive. Not so imposing. Doors open to sheep that sometimes never open to wolves. Vulnerability actually helps others feel safe. The weaknesses that you are hiding from the people around you because you're convinced they will think less of you. It is specifically those weaknesses that will communicate to them that you are safe to them. You are like them, vulnerable. The paradox of Jesus' message is that vulnerability is strength. When we are vulnerable like sheep, then his strength can be seen. He is the defender. He is the protector. Now, we don't have time this morning, but if you write this down in your notes and look it up later, look at Revelation chapter 5. There's this scene where, where the Lion of Judah appears. It's obviously Christ. The Lion of Judah is there, and one of the angels says, here are the seals. Who is qualified? Who is holy enough to open these seals? And they're lamenting. There's nobody, nobody here that has the character, the quality, the holiness to open these seals. And then it says, and then one came, a lamb, as if slain. Isn't it interesting that the lamb who was slain is the lion of Judah? He is strong we don't have to be. Okay. I have this geek streak. I like science fiction movies, even cheesy ones. And you know what is true of almost every one of them? Like what happens with a transformer? They look like a normal something, and then they wah, 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 right? Superman looks like Clark Kent, actually has superpowers. We love that story. Do you know why? Because it is the story that Jesus, the lamb who was slain, will return as the lion of Judah. And if we would ever really get our hands around that truth, that when we as sheep are standing among wolves and they're snarling and threatening us, we are so convinced of his power to protect that we almost want to say to them, please don't hurt me because Jesus will be so angry. And I don't want you to get in more trouble than you're already in. I was going to tell you a story about a friend, not a friend, actually, an enemy in junior high. It was, it was one of my regular habits to beat him up. Didn't need a reason, just he existed, so I would. But he had a big brother. And they made it clear that if I interacted with little brother, big brother was going to show up. I got that message loud and clear very quickly. I remember once he had me grab my shirt and was pulling me across a fence. 
And it was one of those standoffs, you know, kind of like one of those pushing fights in junior high. He held me there for the longest time. Didn't, didn't actually hit me. I was, I was kind of amazed. But I remember when he finally let go, and I went home, walked home, and I remember my father going, what is wrong with your shirt? I still had this big curly thing pulled up in my shirt. It's like, like a little, little beak. Uh, uh, yeah. Jesus says, I got you. You go as sheep because that's what you are. You don't have the teeth, the horns. You don't have the demeanor. You don't have what it takes to I got you. We go as sheep among wolves. The church is always at its best. There's Revelation 5. The church is always at its best when it goes into the world humbly like sheep among wolves. Now, just when some of you who are more ardent and, and dynamic and brave in nature, just as you're going, mm, don't like sheep, don't like the sheep thing, he says this. He says, you go as sheep among wolves, wise as snakes. Jesus isn't saying that Christians should kind of float through life like naive, well-intentioned dreamers just floating above the problems of life and everything's just fine. That's not what he's describing at all. What Jesus is saying when he says, go as wise as snakes, he's saying, I'm serious about the work that I have you to do. I want you to work at this. I want you to read. I want you to study. I want you to listen to others. I want you to pray. I want you to try things and learn from failing. I want you to learn to be effective in doing the work that I've asked you to do. In fact, this is what wholeheartedness looks like. Hokey pokey, you put your whole self in. That means putting your mind in this. Now, some of you make great sheep. Your heart is gentle and open and vulnerable. Some of us want to use our brains for the kingdom. Isn't it good to know that he insists that we go wise? And that being wise is not in conflict with being a sheep. The problem with being wise is that sometimes, sometimes we get the idea that being shrewd, being crafty, thinking creatively, that somehow that, that is the opposite of faith. And it can be. Oh, it can be. If you are one who is wired and given to figuring things out and trying to be, think, come up with the answers before somebody else, if you're wired like that, then you also know that as soon as you get the answer, you're tempted to think, you'll take care of it. God, I got this. God has no deputies. He has not deputized you. You're not helping him by saying, hey, I got this. You don't have to worry about it. He wasn't worrying about it. I know you got a lot of other things to do. Jesus says, I got all the time in the world. You're not helping me by doing this on your own. And yet, being shrewd, being smart, being wise, it's part of how we're supposed to go. Now, this isn't for today's lesson, but if you would like to become wise, if you would like to learn how to make better decisions, the best way to do it is to make poor decisions. See, with every failure, we learn things. Thomas Edison taught us that, didn't he? Now I know a bunch of stuff that doesn't work. 
In fact, those who invest in businesses, venture capitalists, one of the very first questions they'll ask when they're thinking about investing in some young upstart, you watch Shark Tank? Okay, that's very great fun, right? But they wanna know, uh, tell me about some of your failures because if you haven't failed and learned those hard lessons, I don't think you've learned what you're supposed to know yet. Here we are thinking that if we were to try something uh, at work, at home, in the church, in a ministry, we try something and it doesn't go well. And we want to go, oh, that's it. I'm not, man, I'm just not cut out for this. And we tuck our tail and leave. I've seen people leave churches because they do something poorly. They go, oh, oh, oh my God. I was just like, wait, wait a minute. Now we know something that doesn't work. Great. You see, Jesus wants us to be wise while we're being humble as sheep to make better and better decisions. Now, being wise has some pieces to it. Um, these doors that open to us, I mean, of course, there's mystery and there's adventure. God opens a door. But I'm going to just suggest this. In general, and this isn't in contradiction to God's power and mystery, in general, those doors don't open randomly. They often open to us because God has given us an ability to go through them and make a difference. God has never opened the opportunity for me to minister to others by doing their taxes. It is never going to happen. But the doors that open for me personally, I find that I'm uniquely suited to go through and make a difference. Imagine that. That is what it means to be as wise as a snake. With each passing experience, we become more self-aware. Not so good at that. Got to work on that. Oh, I could have done that. You are so true. Learning about ourselves and learning about the world around us. Learning what opportunities are there and where we can make a difference. I heard about a, a woman this week. Um, she was on her 80th birthday. Bunch of friends had gathered for a big party. And what do you get a woman who's 80, has everything she does? So she made it clear what she wanted. She says, I want all of you to bring money. <laughs> what? That's all the card said, bring money. <laughs> That's rude. You know, usually they say, oh, don't bring money. She goes, no, bring money. Bring money. And when they all got there, she showed them a presentation. She wanted to put a water well in for a village. She said, so put your money in a bucket. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. And they had enough to do two wells. Now, from what I can tell, up till now, she's put in eight. She became aware of the need and said, wait a minute. I, I can come up. How much are those? And she started raising the money. I guess if I want to put in a wheel, a wheel well, yeah, a water well, first I'd have to find out where they're needed, how much they cost, and who I should talk to to get one done. Wise as a snake. I remember a group of people. I served at a church in York, and uh, once a year, a group would come through. They were called the Rivics. Are you guys still out there? Somebody, you know, message me. The Rivics. It was R-R-I-V-I-C-S, something like that. It was like roving retired individuals in Christ's service. It was like, it was like a gypsy band of motorhomes with tools. And they would descend on a church and say, what do you need done? And they would park themselves in the, in the parking lot for a week or two, 
I remember they painted our entire youth building. Painted the entire building, scraped, painted, caulked, everything. They got up every morning, they have coffee, they have devotions, they be out there working. They, have, they were doing what so many of us would love to do in our retirement, travel around the world. But when they stopped, they did work for Christ. It's amazing. But you've got to know that those opportunities are even there. Being a wise as a snake means knowing that there is no door so small or so ordinary that it cannot be one of God's open doors. As long as you're shrewd enough to see the possibilities in it. I mentioned earlier about a ministry done by grandfathers teaching kids how to do outdoor stuff in an urban setting. I love outdoor stuff. That's awesome. That's perfect. Being a wise as a snake is being a look at a circumstance and saying, there's a lot of things that could be done here, but that's one I think I could, um, if we, and, and figuring out a way to try something and make it work. Thirdly, innocent as doves, he says. Innocent as doves. Now, doves are for the bird kingdom what sheep are for the animal kingdom, I think. Not really adventurous, not really all that smart. If you watch them in your backyard, not really impressive. Pretty, not impressive. But in their culture and in ours, they really do represent something that is innocent, something that is pure. They are they are safe and harmless. They are untouched in their character. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. If every one of us as Christians were as innocent as doves everywhere we went, might sound a little naive to the world once in a while, but we honestly don't know what that word means. We didn't know those websites existed. I've never spoken to my spouse that way. No, I've never, I've never even, I didn't even know you could cheat like that. If every one of us, if every Christian was like that, do you think the world would notice? Sure. See, there is power in innocence. There is power in purity. And so here's the lesson. The main thing that Jesus sends us into the world, the main thing he sends into the world isn't what we do. Aren't you tempted? You want to go and build a, build a, a house, build a church, do this, do that. Me too, I like it. But that's not the main thing he's sending. What he's sending is who you are. It's who we're becoming. And here's the lesson. Honestly, even though you can get on the, the internet and you can find about all these needs that exist, but what the world needs most is not just that help, not the outward help, not the effective action. They need something just a little more than that. They need to be exposed to character that is being transformed. 
completely by accident in the last few weeks, I have, I have been exposed to several different programs run by African-American men who are reaching out to young African-American men, acknowledging that the, there are not men role models in their lives. And most of those ministries, if you listen closely, you would hear a faith-based piece in there. But they weren't even flaunting it. But the very first message about what it is to be a man for these men is that it comes from the inside of you. A character that is changed by Christ. Which brings us all the way back to what we started with. Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. I want you to go out as sheep among wolves. Have you been, have you been a little too wolfish? Thinking it made you look powerful, strong, not naive. I'm no, I'm no guppy. I want you to go as sheep among wolves. I want you to be as wise and as canny as a snake. But I want you to be as innocent as a dove. I want you to allow God to work on your character because the main thing that you and I take into the world is not the stuff we do. It's the people we are. You see why sometimes it's better to go through the wrong door with the right heart than the right door with the wrong heart. Colossians 3 says it clearly. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Working as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Think back to the video about Kevin. I played that because if, if we're honest, his fear is the fear that we fear most. Many of us would be willing to sacrifice a little bit more time or sacrifice a habit here or something there. Our main fear is, I'm not going to get poor, right? Poorer than I am. I'm already behind where I was hoping to be. I don't want to go backwards financially. And yet, if you and I want to be in a place where God can abundantly bless, Perhaps he's interested in working on our character first, much more. And I love the fact that Kevin not only stepped through, but now they're experiencing all the things that they'd hoped they could be a part of a church and see it too. When we go into the world like Jesus is describing, we are walking in the same way that the Father sent Jesus. He says, I'm sending you into the world. Let's pray. So here's the question for you with your heads bowed and eyes closed. How do you go? Are you tempted to lead with these great strengths that the Lord's given you, with these abilities, with these blessings? 
Do you go with your guard up with this message? No one's going to take advantage of me. No one's going to make me look like a fool. All the energy we go and put into protecting ourselves only insulates us from the power of God waiting to protect us. We don't have to be that smart to influence the world around us. But we do have to be as wise as snakes. We have to be able to know what's going on around us. Who does still need water in their village? How can I influence young men who don't have male role models in their lives? What can we do to stop young women between 18 and 24 and stop them from dying from opioid overdoses? What can I do about ministering and supporting kids whose parents are in rehab or in prison? What, What can I do? Being wise as a serpent means finding an answer to some of that. And even as we go, being as innocent as doves. Not naive, but pure. Let me pray for you as you talk about Jesus' instruction. To you, you talk to him about that. Lord Jesus, you sent the disciples with these words. You send us with these words. As the Father sent you into the world, you're sending us sheep among wolves. We are vulnerable. Father, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me for trying to make sure that I'm not vulnerable. Wise as snakes. Jesus, forgive me for thinking that if I just kind of acquiesce to your will, that I could ride along and, and not apply myself, not work and think and, and, and succeed and fail. Jesus, forgive me for going into the world and then becoming contaminated just like it. I'm dirty. We are an unclean people with unclean lips. And so we do not marvel that we are not impacting our culture. But we believe that you still love us and that your redeeming grace can cleanse us. And so we ask that you would make us innocent like doves. Cause the word of God and the spirit of God to pour into our minds and hearts and displace the garbage that we have allowed in. Cause our thinking to slowly become increasingly clear. That we would notice that our, our, our responses to things is less and less vile and more and more like you. Lord, we must be transformed in order to reach our world. So send us with this understanding that you are the lion of Judah. You protect us. It's you who bless the work that we do. We must find all that we need in you. Make this so. 
for the sake of those who live less than a mile from us but have never heard your name. For their sake, make this so. We ask it in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.